Hey, everybody, it's JT from Grilling at the Green. John Breaker and the great folks at Birdie Ball have a short time offer for all of you listeners. You just go to birdieball.com, and when you place your order, there's a place on that form for a discount code. Use G-A-T-G. That's G-A-T-G. Of course, it stands for Grilling at the Green. And you will get 20% off anything you order from birdieball.com. Now, it's a short-time offer. It expires in about a week, so you want to get on it. Go to birdieball.com, place your order, uh, use the code G-A-T-G, and get 20% off. You heard it here on Grilling at the Green. This is Grilling at the Green After Hours with JT. You know, the conversation that took place after the broadcast ended. Hi, everybody. It's JT, and this is a special version of Grilling at the Green. Grilling at the Green is brought to you in part by Painted Hills Natural Beef. Beef you can be proud to serve your family and friends. That's Painted Hills Natural Beef. Uh, welcome back. This is After Hours here on Grilling the Green. I'm Jeff Tracy. We're talking with Charlie Reimer today, the big timer, who's got a new TV show coming out on CBS um, Sports uh, the Monday after the Masters, if I remember correctly. Is that right, Charlie? That's it. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. We're going to debut that Monday night, right after the Masters. Well, like I said, I'll be watching it, and I'll be texting you going, good, good. Well, not so good, but good, <laughs> good. <laughs> yeah, right. If you send me the not so good, don't expect to hear back. Okay. You know, us, all of us TV and media talk, we don't like that bad feedback. No. You know, we say we do, but we actually don't. No. Uh, <laughs> no, you get on the blocked list really fast. If you said too yeah, much exactly. honesty like that. Exactly. So we haven't talked about this, but of course with COVID and the change in the tournaments, I was going to tell you that I went out to the, uh, well, actually I went to two tournaments last year that are here in Portland. I went to the Winco, which is not going to be here anymore, uh, which was a corn fairy event. And then I went to the LPGA tournament here no spectators uh you know there was a few of us press guys there but really not too many um because they didn't have an actual press room uh at the lpga tournament for us they had the img guys and and those guys in there and they really didn't want us in there so there was yeah. really no place to go to sit to put your stuff like that i'm not complaining and i understand why they did it but it was kind of like a ghost town. It was just kind of like being at the course, any any club on a busy Saturday. You know, there was just people teeing off every few minutes, and and that was it. Um, but over the course of the year, we had a lot of sort of news stories. We got Bryson coming out with his seventeen foot long driver. Um, <laughs> you know, different things like that. What are your observations on that? the things that did happen? Well, um, I, I, I think it, the, the effort made by the, the PGA tour, the LPGA to, to make golf happen. What was, was Herculean. And, and, uh, you know, there's no, there's not any money place like everything else for government for business, there's not any playbook right. uh, for, for what the, the country, the world's had to deal with. But I do think it's important that we've had sports back. Uh, I think it gives people uh, somewhat of a sense of, of that there is a little bit of normalcy somewhere sure. in the world. It gives them a distraction, a very pleasant distraction. But but um, it, it was uh, something I was I was very grateful for, uh, and the logistics taken on to do that. Uh, I, 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 the people who pull it off, I 
amazed me, uh, in particular, looking at what they were able to do in golf. And, and uh, I called a couple of events last year for PGA Tour Live. I wasn't on site. When you do that, typically, uh, you're, you're in the studio in St. Augustine, Florida. And then uh, I do every year for, uh, have been for the last 12 years, the, the um, Masters for Westwood One that's mm-hmm. on Sirius XM as well. And so I went to Augusta in November to do the Masters and walking on site, similar to your experience in Portland, you're the, the thing about the Masters is when, when you're part of the media coverage in the Masters or, or any, any association with the Masters, if, if you're just a patron um, or if one of the, the people that volunteer and work there, it's the same every year. You know, everything is, uh, it happens at the same time. You go to the same parking space. You take the same route home. Right. Because uh, when, you, when you're there, you're not staying in a hotel. Typically, you're staying in a, in a nice rental home somewhere, and it's the same. Well, obviously, the Masters in November wasn't the same, and, and there was maybe, I would say they don't release the numbers, but maybe 25% of the normal media uh, in terms of numbers covering sure. uh, the, the Masters, and they've got this wonderful media center there, press building, they call it, uh, like $70 million they spent on it. And, and it, was just, it was just different. It was a different vibe, and, and everybody was grateful to be there. But it, 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 at the same time, it, 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 it was different. And then, uh, you know, for, for the players, you know, for my PGA tour career, not playing in front of anybody was normal for me. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> the family wouldn't even come out and watch me play, but, but for the big guns, you know, that are used to having that energy around and, and, and all that's been, been, been very different. Um, so it's it's uh, and golfers and and really you know my my friends who are athletes in other sports are creatures of habit you know and routine and and uh, you know you think you think about a a, a a starter major league starting pitcher you know what time they get there what they eat everything they do is a, is is the same golfers tend to be that way uh, my friend Chris DeMarco very nice career on a PGA tour and won nearly $30 million out playing some PGA tour champions. Now he was famous for like, he, he, he wanted to get to the golf course the last possible second that he could get there and still get warmed up. Cause he's all hyper and didn't want to, you know, sit around anywhere. Other people like to get there a couple hours early and, mm-hmm. and, and get with their trainers and warm up. All of that's out the window. <clears throat> Everything normal routine was gone. And, and so everybody had to adjust. And, and so as we get back into normal, hopefully sooner rather than later with the vaccines and the pandemic ultimately clearing, I think a lot of people in a lot of different ways will, will have learned a lot about themselves and how they function, what's important in life. Um, I, don't, I don't think we're ever going to get back to normal where we were um, with, with, with society. And it, this thing is just it's scarring. Yes. And, and you, you know, you're going to see that in sports, but it's, it's every aspect of life and business and politics. And it's just, it, we, you know, we're not going to be the way we were. And, and some of that, some of that will be the positive and some of it will be a negative, but it's, it's, uh, it's almost like we're living in this, you know, you, you just go look at these sci-fi dystopian movies set in the future, you know, after a war or something, it almost feels like we're all living through that at the same time. And, and, uh, I'm ready for it to be gone and ready to see what, what, uh, tomorrow brings. I, I'm optimistic, but, but at the same time, it's, it's just, it's just weird. It's weird out there. Yeah. That's what I could say, because like I said, those tournaments were like a ghost town. 
Um, normally, when at, at those two tournaments here, you know, there's obviously bigger ones like at you know Masters or you know uh, Arnie's or Jacks or any of them. But when you get out there and you were used to seeing at these ones in Portland, maybe two to four hundred people following certain people, and then there was you know, around 18 where they had the corporate uh, tents and, and different things, you know, there would always be three or 4,000 people around there. And then as the, you know, the top guys were coming in at the end of the day, there was always a lot more people crowded around like that. And there was nothing because those, those buildings weren't even put up. There was, yeah. you know, like that. So it was just like. Some places are not even ropes. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's different, but, but, you know, I'll say, I'll say this. Um, golf, this, this, this pandemic, um, has, as people have come to appreciate the, the assets and amenities that they have closest to them, golf is really, uh, it, it's, it's shine. And, and if you look at the numbers, there are more rounds of golf being played. If you look at uh, the sales, uh, equipment sales through the roof. They can't make clubs and balls fast enough and apparel. And, and there's people that, um, what we call laps golfers who, who at one point played and now they're, they've come back to the game. Right. Uh, there's new golfers coming to the game the, the the current golfers are playing more, uh, they're, they're getting out and they're walking, they're carrying their bags. You try, try to order a pool cart online right now. You can't find any. <laughs> and, 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 and I know people are doing it because it's what they can do right now, but some of that's going to stick and, and the golf industry is going to have to change. Uh, you know, people aren't going to want to hop in the golf cart every time they go play golf and, and, um, people aren't necessarily going to want to hop in the golf cart with somebody else when they go play golf, right. which, which is going to change the, the model a lot, but go golf, I think is, is moving forward is, is, I don't want to use benefit because it's a, it's a tragedy, but but golf is proving its worth uh, once again as something that that brings people together. It provides recreation, it provides exercise, it 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 is an unbelievable vehicle to raise money for worthwhile causes. I, I think golf um, moving forward is going to be in 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 a great place, maybe better than it's ever been. As, as we get this whole situation behind us and, and I'm very, very optimistic and bullish about it. And, and, and people are going to, you know, they're buying all these clubs. They're, they're not going to let them sit in the corner. <laughs> you know, they're going to want to get out and play. And, and so hopefully we'll get back to a point in, in this country where we need to start bringing some golf courses online and, and have net gains in golf courses sure. rather than net losses. So, so I'm hoping that, that, uh, uh, it, it ends up being being good for for the golf industry and things that are good for the golf industry. I, I think are good for the country as a whole. Well, you know, Charlie, I, to your point there, um, I dropped some stuff off at Goodwill the other day, and I go in there and I all, I'm always snooping around for maybe old collectible clubs, you know, just stuff. And I've noticed the last three or four times, and this is in several different Goodwills around. Uh, my wife loves to snoop in Goodwill for antiques and different things. And a lot of times you don't find them, but sometimes you do. <clears throat> Their golf club selection 
is very thin. Now, a year and a half ago, you could walk into those same stores and they would be just jam-packed with people that had given away clubs. I mean, just dozens and dozens and dozens of clubs. The one I was in yesterday or the day before, I bet there wasn't 20 clubs in the rack. And this is one that has always had those dozens and dozens and dozens in those racks, you know, and they just weren't there. And that tells me that people are either, like you said, picking up the game again, or it's going to be a while till their new clubs arrive because they can't get them, you know, for whatever reason. And that the people that are picking up the sport are going in there and maybe with somebody that knows a little bit about golf and helping them pick out some clubs to get started with. We have a guy right here uh, in this radio station that had never played golf in his life. And about three months ago, he told me, he said, hey, I played golf for the first time with my friend. I had a ball. He had gone out and bought at a secondhand store or somewhere uh, a several i don't know if he got a full set or whatever it doesn't matter but that's where he was picking up his clubs till he got good enough he said to you know get some good clubs that that really fit him um in that and he was trying it out that way so i think your observations are are spot on there man because yeah um i live two blocks from a golf course like you do and i and the golf course i actually play the most is about 10 minutes away and every day, unless it's just literally pouring sideways, you you drive by or you can actually drive through the one course that I live next to. The road goes right through it. They're packed. There's there's two groups at least on every hole as you drive through. So I, I think we're in a good spot. <clears throat> um, go back to the PGA Tour for a second, uh, Charlie. Do you think it was worth all the hubbub about Bryson and, you know, his <clears throat> his extra length on the driver? To me, that's just kind of, I'm sorry, folks, but that's really nothing news to me. <laughs> but I just wanted to get your take on it. Well, it's, it's interesting. Uh, I, I've got a good friend. His name is Sean Fister. His nickname is The Beast. What a great nickname. And uh, he's a three-time world long drive champion. And in fact, I just had him on, on my podcast a couple of days ago and, and we were talking about it and, and, uh, he, you know, he's saying that, uh, you know, some of the things that Bryson is doing, the long drive guys have been doing for, for 15, 20 years. In fact, sure. Bryson has been spending a little bit of time with, with, uh, uh, Kyle Berkshire, who's a, uh, world long drive champion and, and getting mm-hmm. a few pointers. And, and, uh, my, my point to, to my buddy, Sean was, um, you know, Hey, Hey, listen, you take a, you take a chance when you, you change your body and you try to learn all this new stuff. And he's like, Oh, what are you talking about? He's just trying to get better, improve, improve, improve. And I'm like, well, well, Sean, there's quite a few folks who got to be top of the game and kept trying to push and improve and improve and improve. And they're, uh, they fought and they fell, you know, cause they had a formula that worked and they, and they changed it. Luke Donald is a great example. He yep. got to be number one in the world, started chasing distance and, and uh, last time I looked, he was uh, outside of top 100 in the world. He got to be number one in the world because he's a great fighter. He's got a great short game, and he, he started focusing on other things. Jordan Spieth is, is the same one. He got to be number one in the world, started changing the formula a little bit. He was reading some of the, some of the press that uh, said, oh, well, you know, he's just a hot putter. That's why he's so good. So he started trying to hit it farther, work on his ball striking, and, and now he's fallen to nearly outside the – 
top 100 in the world. And so you got DeChambeau who's, who's got something that's working. I mean, remember he had quite a bit of success before he added this book and turned himself into the hook as they call him. <laughs> and, and I, I said, it's, you know, I, it, most of the time when you change that drastically, you, you fail. And, and he's a guy that, that, that hasn't failed. It's actually worked. And that, and that's a little bit unusual, but, um, he, he, here's the thing. It's obviously a conscious decision that he made. He had a game plan. He figures out how to do things on his own from rebuilding his equipment, how he works on his body to every, everything he does, you know, he's a hundred percent invested in. And, and I think that's great that it's possible to come up with a plan and a new way to do things, go pull it off. And I think it inspires people to get into the game and show that, you know, there's not just one way to, to do things. And so, um, it, it has been inspiring, but what I don't want people to forget is sure. He hits the ball farther. He's changed his body, but he also got better at putting. Uh, he, he could have done everything that he's done and hit it as far as he's hitting it. And if he wasn't putting it very well, we wouldn't be talking about him. Yep. And you know, he, he went from maybe outside of one fifty in putting to inside the top 10 or 15 in putting. And that's a significant improvement. And, and so don't, don't forget about that. So, um, everybody's focused on golf, on driving and distance and the game's become one dimensional. You still got to putt it in the hole and there's still other challenges out there. And, and so I, I think it's great to be able to do what he's doing, but as, as, as long as you still have to do the other things in golf, well, I think golf's going to be just fine. Oh, yeah. And I mean, I tell this story, and I don't think I've ever told you this story. A few years ago, um, my golf buddy Steve and I, we played the most together. And we were playing with this doctor and his son at one of the courses. Nice guys having a good time. And the son, who was not a young guy, he was probably in his mid to late 30s. I mean, he could just stripe that ball out there forever, you know. And, and every time he'd hit it, his dad would go, boy, did you see that? Did you see that? He's kind of elbowing us, you know? <laughs> did you see that? Yeah, we mm-hmm. saw it. But he couldn't putt or sour owl crap, you know? Right. And, and um, so, yeah, he, he gained a stroke on us getting closer to the green. But his short game and his putting, I mean, we ended up damn near even every time, or if not us, doing a little better. And so yeah. um, I think your words are very wise there to to suggest that to people let's go over again really quick before we get out of here charlie how can people f- find your podcast and your new show on cbs sports yeah sure so uh everything that i'm doing uh, here, here in the myrtle beach area runs through charlie uh, that's no h charlie reimer dot com. you could also get there through uh playgolfmyrtlebeach.com if you're interested in checking out uh uh, Myrtle Beach, that's a great place to do that as well. Sure. Maybe what we'll do is maybe I'll trade segments with you sometime. I'll that'd co- be fine with me. I'll come cook for you and you can come cook for me. How's that? Yeah, oh, that'd be great. And we I, can do as that. long as we get to eat the mistakes, I'm in. Or, believe me, <laughs> you got that. That's what I was going to say, right. too, a minute ago about Bryson. It's like, Bryson, I was kind of built like you years ago before you decided uh, to bulk up. Yeah. Yeah. And just wait till you're 55, you know? Yeah, exactly. It's not going to look that great, pal. Anyway, Charlie, 
Thanks so much, man. I really appreciate it. You got it, JT. Appreciate appreciate it, buddy. No problem. We'll be back next week with another edition of After Hours here on Girling at the Green. Take care, everybody.